Welcome to the August episode of the CEO Podcast. Today, Washington Hospitality Association President and CEO Anthony Antone welcomes Chick Rogers, the American Hotel and Lodging Association President and CEO. The two discuss the state of the hotel industry across the country and locally. This episode is sponsored by Adesso. Visit wahospitality.org for more information about how you can get assistance with the employee retention credit. And now here is our host, Anthony Antone. Welcome to the August podcast of the Washington Hospitality Association. Just like you, we are constantly evolving our business and we're gonna try this month just recording so that you're listening to a pre-record. So everyone who's listened live in the past, you can still ask questions, you can still engage as you have your thoughts about what I'm on track on or what I'm way off track on or ideas or questions, please send them to podcast at wahospitality.org. And today we're gonna be experimenting with doing the recorded podcast. So with that, this change and probably is, is a theme for our month here at the association is it's our planning month. August is the time where all of our departments have written plans, are setting out their goals for the next legislative session, the upcoming year. I know that's not very sexy to talk about a podcast, but it's timely for me to ask, what's your top priority for us? As we're setting all our goals and plans and things we'd like to get done for the industry, email me your top priority. Uh, Everyone who emails me their top priority will uh, draw from that group, and I'll take one of that group to lunch. So send me your top priority for the industry or the association in the next 12 months so we can get them into our plans and hopefully I might be able to take you to lunch. So send that to podcast at wahospitality.org. And Lisa, make sure I get the full list and we'll find out a randomizer and take one of those suggestions uh, to lunch. So I want to move on and, and talk like we always do about What's happened in the past month? As the regular listeners of the podcast know, there's four values we're trying to deliver for your membership. And on our best day, you're seeing value in four areas. Our communications department's trying to be a great source of information for you. Our education foundation is trying to help our workforce succeed. Our government affairs department is constantly trying to protect and enhance the industry. And our biz dev is trying to deliver value And so you get great value from programs, from credit cards to insurance that help your business move forward. And the combination of those things hopefully make us a great resource for the industry. Let's start with BizDev and and some exciting news. The Biz Insurance program that we started a few years ago has already met its enrollment goal for the entire year. And while that's exciting to the association staff, which should be exciting to you, is the average savings per location has been a little over $4,000. And so that is uh, workers' comp style savings for, uh, for many folks. And we're excited to see that program continue to grow, continue to deliver value for, for what you offer us. And, um, and we're gonna keep moving that forward. On the Education Foundation, some exciting news. Get out your pens and pencils. If you're driving, click note here in the moment or pull over. Uh, We are partnering with Washington State University and their hospitality program to bring forward the Washington State Hospitality Conference. So in the past, we've had the lodging conference for years. And in addition, WSU has had their own conference that highlights the graduates and trends in the industry. And what we really want is one single event that does everything and moves it forward. So 
Uh, we're going to be partnering on this event, but all proceeds are going to go to the WSU Hospitality Program and hopefully kick out some more graduates that will continue to seek success in our industry. So mark November 17th on your calendar. It'll be a chance to come together and celebrate the industry. We will have a lot of different programs set up by the WSU professors on key items facing our industry with different panels. We will also have the graduates-to-be coming in as well. So a chance for you to meet the people who you might be able to hire come uh, spring. So November 17th, mark that on your calendar. It's going to be at the Silver Cloud in Tacoma. Moving on to the our information source, we are finally getting to the point where the grants, all these grants we've been talking about for months are coming to fruition. And on August 17th is going to be the opening date for you to apply to two of the grants. Then shortly after, two of the other grants are going to be coming out. So without getting into the details in the moment, please subscribe to this podcast because we're going to be putting out several podcasts introducing you in the next month uh, to what you have to do. How do you get your UEI, Unique Entity Identifier? This is a new word number um, that you're going to need to apply for these grants, and it can take four to five weeks to get this. So if you're listening to this today, make sure you have a UEI number. If not, look at the toolkit uh, that we have for the grants or listen to the podcast and figure out how you can get one ASAP so you don't miss out on any granting opportunity. And in the government affairs world, it's a lot about third-party delivery. Uh, On the Seattle side, our Seattle team is working hard to keep the third-party delivery cap and make sure that third-party deliveries are affordable and an integral part of our business moving forward. On the state side, we got a unique issue, and there's all kinds of issues, but one of them is we are failing the liquor delivery test the liquor control boards are setting up at a really high level. And so I'd urge you, if you're doing your own delivery, to make sure your drivers are well-trained in that. We're working with Liquor Control Board, and we're going to plead with our partners, continue to plead with our partners on uh, their failure rate on third-party delivery because they're going to lose the rights. Uber and Lyft are going to uh, lose the rights to deliver third-party alcohol if we don't improve our numbers and improve as an industry. So this is a plea to everyone to get better. We do believe that's been a good part of our business We also recognize we have a responsibility to do this right. And so this is a warning shot to everyone. Uh, We're working hard with them and hopefully a warning shot to our partners in the third-party delivery world who are failing at a high level to to turn that around. A little more positive uh, on the federal front, and I'm going to be getting this in a minute. Uh, We did a big press effort with AHLA, the American Hotel and Lodging Association, this past week, so depending on when you listen to it, the last week of July. And our conversation is really about reigniting uh, lodging. So of all the segments of our industry, lodging has been the one slowest to come back. It's not gonna come back for a while because of its dependence on business travel with so many buildings still being empty and its dependence on uh, conventions, which are booked three or four years out and are still only running at a, at a you know, less than percentage on rooms coming in on conventions. And so we want to promote to have lodging come back. With that, we need fully funded DMOs. So in the Seattle area, we're talking about fully funding Visit Seattle. We're talking about funding tours and marketing so we can get full convention centers, which will fill up our hotels and bring a great ROI to our community. In addition, with those being the last industry back, 
uh, we're talking about the need to recruit workforce. In, in the Seattle MSA alone, lodging is short 45% of its workforce. And we'll talk more about that in, a, in an upcoming interview, but this press conference was centered around all the great opportunities in lodging. In your own world, please reiterate your messages in your own in your own uh, conversation streams, whether they're with your teams or your leadership or in your own community messages. We need to fully fund uh, the destination marketing organizations in your community so they can fill up for conventions in the future and lodging can fully return. We're going to make a big press on that message. And secondly, that all the great opportunities you have in lodging. And as you talk about it, please extend the conversation beyond that first job to if you do well here, how quickly you can move to the next job, and then the opportunities that provides you to get to the state average wage and beyond, which is a great lead-in to our conversation. So for that press conference, Chip Rogers, the CEO of the HLA, was in town, and uh, we sat down and had a great conversation, which I'll bring to you after the break. You may have heard about the Employee Retention Credit, the federal COVID-19 initiative that can pay you up to $26,000 per employee. You may have also heard that it takes months for the IRS to process an ERC filing, which delays the arrival of the cash you need to fuel your restaurant or lodging establishment's recovery. Now you can get expedited filing of your ERC and access your cash within a few days. Presenting ERC Cash Now, only from our trusted partner, Adesso Capital. Visit wahospitality.org for more information. Well, I'm excited to get to the next part of our, our podcast today. And with us today, we have our friend and partner from the American Hotel and Lodging Association, because I try to get away from acronyms when I can, Chip <laughs> Rogers. Chip, welcome to Seattle. It, well, first, it's great to be here. Thank you, Anthony. And uh, it's interesting you say that from an acronym standpoint. I oftentimes we get calls on my phone when I'm in the, the rare times I'm actually in the office and our acronym is AHLA and people sometimes people say is this Allah and I'm like nope this is not Allah <laughs> uh, Allah yeah yeah you can't, you can't really make that one work. no you can't make that <laughs> I don't work, think yeah. we should tr even try right we'll get in trouble well I'm excited to have you in Seattle this is I think the second or third time you've been here since you've joined the AHLA team yeah. from AHOA and we didn't see your predecessors that often so I, I gotta say it's <laughs> Your leadership's been fantastic Thank and you. that you've coming out and you're seeing the operators. Uh, we really appreciate it. It lets you know that we're not some distant, far off relative that you've heard of, but <laughs> you care well, about us out here in the Northwest. I love the Northwest. And, you know, prior even to getting in this industry, I whenever I had the opportunity to come to Seattle, I would. It's really one of America's great cities. When you fly from the East Coast, and I would normally be flying from Washington, D.C. or Atlanta, it is a long trip out here, no question about it. But when you get here, you're like, wow, I'm glad I made the trip because it is, the beauty of this place is quite rare across the country. I, I remember every time I'm on the West Coast, I remember the famous uh, statement from President Reagan, who, of course, was the governor of California. And he said, had the pilgrims landed on the West Coast, the East Coast would still be undeveloped. <laughs> and um, it, the, just the gorgeousness of this place is obviously one of its great selling points. And, you know, Seattle... Uh, all the times I've come out here prior to the pandemic, just stunning. No question, I came here about six months ago, and you could tell the effects of the pandemic, and then I'm out here again today, and you can also tell the effects of the recovery. Just in the last six months, it looks so much nicer, and, and things are getting much closer to normal. It's, it's great to hear you see it, because sometimes when you're living in a day-to-day, -day, that incremental improvement right. 
but when you come and you see a lot of stuff cleaned up and you see some some energy to the city coming back. Absolutely. The energy is much different than the last time I was here. We're, we're, we're headed the, the right way, which brings me to, I get to know why you're here in our, in, in our great state, but, but tell our listeners what, what brought you up to the Northwest on this trip. We decided as we were going through our strategic plan of determining what should the American Hotel Lodging Association be focusing on the next five years, in that process, we recognized the one thing all of us recognize, and that is we have a challenge in our industry of getting people to make hospitality their career. And we decided to take on that challenge head on and start talking about the wonderful industry that it is, the opportunities that people have uh, in this industry. And so at the same time that we started this process of wanting to tell that story, we had the reemergence coming out of the, out of the pandemic. And so um, Seattle, I believe, is our seventh or eighth uh, major city to go to just in the last few months to tell really a two-pronged story. Number one, travel is back. People are coming back to hotels. It is a wonderful time to travel. Uh, what that means to the local community, the economic impact, which is, as you know, quite significant. And then really almost the larger message is for people who are thinking about a career change, which a lot of people are thinking about these days, there is no better time to be in hospitality. I will say this to the media anywhere and everywhere I get the opportunity. Wages are higher than they've ever been. Benefits are better than they've ever been. The flexibility is more than it's ever been. And the opportunity to advance is like nothing I've ever seen. So you could come into our industry right now at a fairly nice starting wage and have the opportunity to advance into management at a very rapid pace. And so for people who are looking to make that change, now is the time the industry certainly would embrace that um, because we, like other industries, have significant challenges with, with personnel. Um, but the, the sun is shining and the future is very bright. Well, for our calm people, that's where the that's the drop the mic moment. I, I just, you said that perfectly, and, and Chip, and I, I appreciate it because that's how a lot of us are feeling, and and we are seeing anecdotally. I'm hearing around fifteen to twenty percent increases in wages average this year. That's on top of a, in the Washington area, fourteen percent increase over last year, and we're seeing that it's a great time to come in, and yet in the Seattle MSA metropolitan statistical area or service area we're still 45% lower on employment than 2019. And, and we can use those jobs. So we've got 5,500 people that we could start employing today and this month. Yes. And, and, and such great opportunities in our industry to, to attract them to. So I think we all need to get your message out yeah. and have people start thinking about us differently. Yeah, and so much of it, again, is is the opportunity because I think oftentimes people, when they consider, especially if you're a young person going into the hospitality industry, you think about, well, I'm entering at the bottom level. It's going to be hard work. And neither one of us is here to say it's not going to be hard work. Right. It's going to be hard work. But if you think about what has happened over the last few years with so many people leaving the industry and just many times not working at all, the opportunity for advancement is amazing. I mean, you, you, you just got to get in there, start working. And you'll be moving up the ladder almost instantly. Um, and, it, and I also remind people when you think about our industry compared to perhaps some of the other industries that, are, that, that, that need help, it's fun to be in hospitality. It, again, hard work, but you're meeting people. You are part of someone's positive life experience, whether that is someone who's coming to a hotel because they're seeing meeting friends for the first time in two years or an anniversary or a traveling baseball team or a, a conference to see their colleagues from around the country. I mean, these are all positive events in people's lives and you get to be part of that. Now, I'm not suggesting 
that working for some of the other large employers in the United States is bad. But I'd much rather be engaging with people every day than stocking shelves, no matter how much they pay me. Right. right. And, and that's what our that's the opportunity that our industry provides people. Well, and, and I, you're so right on so many levels within that. On the employment side, I was just talking to a hotel operator in South Downtown the other day, and he said, if I brought someone in today and they're good, they're probably going to move up in six or seven months because I have openings throughout the property. And if someone's willing to come in and put their, their head down, you know, they might be starting at $20 uh, an hour, but they're going to be at 25 real quickly. Um, and I'm hearing that in a lot of different areas. This is Seattle. So right. if you're listening in OMAC, I get the wage might be a little bit different. <laughs> but but the broader point is, is it's such an exciting time to come in. Yes. And the difference is in generations, right. meaning a lot of people are starting to retire. That large generation is going away. Me as a Gen Xer, we're much a smaller generation. It's creating this vacuum of opportunity. So we're, we hope to get that message out. You also mentioned the experience of working in hospitality. We're usually around people's weddings, uh, around their family reunions, around their family vacations. Their best memories a lot of times are starting in the morning in one of our properties, right? Yep. And, and when they leave and check out, it's kind of the last thing they do before they leave town. And we're kind of that starting and setting point of their experience. We are. And it's interesting when you think about discussing travel with someone, oftentimes if, they are, if they've traveled to a place you've traveled, uh, the question many times will be, well, where'd you stay, right? Because the, the hotel does play a central focal point in the person's experience. And these are positive experiences, especially with so much leisure travel right now. And you get to be a part of that, which is so nice because it's something different, new, and enjoyable every day. Again, we're not here to say it won't be hard work. It will. Right. But it's hard work for a purpose. It's hard work that makes an impact. It's hard work that makes a memory for somebody. Uh, and again, the experience that you're going to have working in this environment is going to be different every day. And the last thing I'll say, too, is that the opportunity to advance to other places is almost like no other industry. If you're good at your job here in Seattle, I don't know why you would want to leave, but if you wanted to leave and, say, move to a hotel in Boston, there are going to be opportunities immediately. If you want to go to San Diego, there are going to be opportunities immediately. And so our industry provides that to people, flexibility, good career, good pay, and the opportunity to see the world. Well, it's funny you mentioned that last part of it. And if you're an operator listening, you're, you're probably going, okay, Chip and Anthony, I know this already. Right. But the problem is, like a lot of things that we do well as people, we don't talk about them publicly. Yes. And then the public gets a different impression of who we are and our jobs are. Right. So we're talking about this to give you ideas and encouraging you to get out to your high schools and tell the stories, get out to your rotaries and tell the stories, be excited and proud of the industry jobs we're providing and, and hopefully this dialogue is giving some of our listeners some ideas on how to get out there and tell the stories. So people are like, wow, what a cool industry to work for, which will help us eat at that 5,500 people we need in the yes. King County area um, as they want to come back to us and they want to start with us. We have a website called thehotelindustry.com and it does exactly that. I encourage everybody listening to me, go to that site. It shows the stories of people in our industry. Love that. I'll give you a great example. One one of the stories that you'll see featured is a young lady who works at a hotel in Napa, California. And the way that came about was we were talking about, boy, we've got to document these stories of people who started in our industry and, and quickly went up the ladder and, and love it. And she had just posted something on LinkedIn that actually listed, this is where I started, this is my second job, my third job, my fourth job, and I'm proud to announce like my fifth job. And she's still a young person. And I told my team, I'm like, 
we got to get a camera crew, mm-hmm. go to Napa, get this on video. And she was wonderful. And you can now see that video, among others, on our on that website, the hotelindustry.com. But it, it is all designed to tell those stories. And here's the thing for all the operators that are listening to me. You're hearing Anthony and I speak about this, and you're probably, like you said, saying, well, we know all this. But you need to help us let other people know about it. Help us take those videos viral to help us send that out to as many people as possible. It's only going to encourage people to join our industry. And as you said, you have 5,500 open jobs right now, at least right here in King County. Let's knock that down to 4,000. Let's knock that down to 3,000. The only way that's going to happen is for people to understand what a great industry this is. To brag a little bit about the Northwest, Washington State University has got a hospitality program and they just last year became the number two hospitality program of the country behind Cornell, which, uh, you know, we can still we can still chase Cornell for a while, which would be good. <laughs> and I'm on the advisory board over there. And you mentioned travel. So many of the students are attracted to come here because they can learn lodging skills here, get their internship in the Northwest and then go work in Europe for a bit or go to Taiwan or go elsewhere and then come back home. Right. And when we're trying to get people excited about us. This is a skill set you can develop and work for us for six to eight months and then say, I'd like to see the world and get paid to do it yes. and then carry on and then come back home. Exactly. If that's what you want to do, which, you know, we'd, we'd love to have you. But I, it was amazing to me as I talked to those uh, 100 or so graduates coming out each year. That's a consistent story that you're going to give me the chance to have a life experience that few other industries can. And so getting their enthusiasm to spread out, I think, would be important. Wanting to talk a little bit about another reason this is important. You work so hard, and hopefully we were good partners in helping you work so hard to try to get some lodging relief out of the federal government. And it was a it was a challenge. God hopes we'd never have another pandemic. <laughs> but I think one thing it did point to is is our industry holistically needs to have a better understanding at the congressional level of what we mean to communities yes. and what the jobs mean. Um, how does this play into all that? Boy, that is a 30-minute answer question, right? (laughs) But I'll I'll be as succinct as I can. Look, at the end of the day, when you're convincing someone in an elected office that you need help, it all starts with having a relationship. And I can't stress this enough. I talk about this and have for many, many years. Everybody listening to me right now that's in our industry, do one thing. Adopt a politician, right? I don't care what level it is. City council, county commission, the governor, member of the legislature, member of Congress. Find somebody who's in elected office and become a resource for them so that they can rely on you because relationships is where all of it starts. Now, the challenge, as you know, is people come in and out of office all the time. So our ability to educate people, that, that's always going to be something we have to work on, right? You're going to have a new batch of freshman legislators here in Washington that you're going to have to go sit down and talk with and explain this is how the hotel industry works. One of the misnomers that most elected officials have at every level, and this is why we all need to be a resource for them, is to really understand what the hotel industry, how it's structured. They think that Marriott owns all the Marriott hotels. They think that Hilton owns all the Hilton hotels. I've had to tell probably 10,000 elected officials, that's not the way it works. Right. It's a local owner in your community, and many of the people that are listening right now are those local owners. But you've got to build those relationships. And the reason that's so important is because when people in elected office think about whether it's giving resources or any public policy initiative, if they think that the hotel is just some giant multinational inter, uh, corporate brand, they're, they're not going to want to help because they'll think they've got all the resources. They don't need our help. 
if they understand that the hotel is owned by a local owner who lives in their community, who employs their constituents, they are much more likely to say, what can I do to help you? It doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. So as we went through the, the challenges through the pandemic, first thing we had to do was knock down this notion that you're not, if, if you're Congress, the resources you're giving are not going to help the Marriott Corporation. They're not going to help, the, they're actually going to help franchisees and help the employees of those franchisees. And that was so important. When we took a step back, probably about six to eight months ago, and I asked my team, how many resources did the federal government make available to hoteliers? It's not the easiest thing to calculate because they don't exactly frame it that way. Right. But we were able to get a very strong low estimate of at least $50 billion. It was probably much more than that, but at least $50 billion we could account for, mainly through PPP, but through other things that went out to, to hoteliers. Now, what does that look like in the context of how much pain our industry felt? 2020, 2021, the total losses were about $160 billion. 22, hopefully we're going to break even or even the industry might make some money. But So you had about $160 billion in losses. Federal government came through with at least $50 billion in help. So they covered almost a third of the whole. That still means over $100 billion in losses that the industry is trying to struggle with. One of the things that I know you work on here locally that so many of our other, of your counterparts around the country are doing, is working on ARPA funding, which is still out there. That's the American Rescue Plan funding that does designate a certain amount of money for hospitality. And we're seeing that that money come to fruition in many states. And so we're trying to work with folks around the country to get that money out in that form. But there will still be money flowing from ARPA for the next three years. And that's a great reminder. In fact, while we're while you're we're recording this a little beforehand, but there's 200 million in grants coming out and 100 million of that specifically for hospitality coming out this month. So um, be, be listening. I want to come back to the relationships uh, for a second. You're not taught in business school about the importance of getting to know your legislator. And, and even in a lot of business leadership classes for people who are not doing what you and I do, they're like, oh, ignore all that stuff, focus over here. And then I find myself coming into an operator and saying, I need to get engaged. I need you to get to know your legislator. And sometimes they'll say, well, that's what I pay you for. <laughs> you did such a great job with AHOA in, in getting them to engage legislators and understanding this is personal for you, which means it needs to be personal to your legislators. What were those lessons you took from being a legislator and then your experience in turning AHOA into really getting engaged with their legislators and, and taking that personal that we can now apply broader in our industry? Yeah, the first thing that a lot of folks don't understand is that um, lawmakers, no matter what level they're at, they are not experts in every field. Many times they don't have a staff that can help them really understand all these industries. And so that's where we need to be a resource. And it, the part about being a resource is not showing up when you need something. It's showing up when you don't need something. Because a lawmaker can see right through that. And so you mentioned just a moment ago that people have this idea, well, I pay you to do that. Well, that's great. Anthony's going to do an amazing job for you. But every lawmaker understands Anthony's role, which is... You pay me to do that. <laughs> you're paid to do that. What the lawmaker, the real impact comes when a constituent, a local constituent comes in and says, hey, I own the IHG and this part of Seattle. You know, we employ 42 people and this is what my business is like. And I just wanted to come here and tell you about it. Because lawmakers, they actually want that information. And the good thing is, if you're not trying to have this meeting with them right in the middle of session, 
they've got a lot of time off, and you can just schedule a time to go talk to a lawmaker, whether it's a city councilman or a state representative, and say, hey, give me 15 minutes. I just want to tell you about my business. We employ people here and about what our industry does. And that's exactly how the conversation should go. Not asking for anything, but offering to be a resource. And when you do that over and over and over and over again, and you create those relationships, the impact, it's almost immeasurable. And like you said, that's not something they teach you in business school. But here's the bottom line. If I'm a lawmaker and I am about to pass a policy that I know is going to impact somebody, if I don't know that person that it's impacting, if I have no relationship with them, I don't care. Just pass the policy. If I know that person and have a relationship, I am much less likely to do something that might hurt them without at least talking to them about it first. And it's just basic human connection that, that makes an enormous difference. Um, that's the way politics has always worked and always will work. The question is, are we as an industry going to get involved or are we going to stand on the sidelines and let these things happen to us? I think if you went back 20 years ago, there weren't a lot of things, quote, happening to us because lawmakers were less active. Um, they, they didn't have as acrimonious of a relationship with business interests as they do today. But today, in any industry, but in particular ours, you've got to be active. You've got to be telling our story. Lawmakers need to understand the economic impact that we're having in each individual community. And when they understand that, they're less likely to do things to hurt us. Well, we are recruiting 147 lodging people to be ambassadors to their uh, legislators right now. So if you heard this message and you don't know how, all you have to do is email podcast at wahospitality.org and your territory manager will come out and see you or call you and text you and get you connected. And we'll be having regional meetings with your legislators this summer and winter. And we'll be getting checks out for those who are supporting us and you can help us get those to those folks. And we can just start building relationships. And it's so important to do that. Switching gears a little bit in the upcoming year. Uh, if we get together again next summer and I can, I can we can talk about uh, how the last year went, what would make uh, the next 12 months truly successful for you personally? First, uh, solving what truly is a crisis with having people join our industry to start building a career. Um, we just recently polled uh, our membership. 97% of hotels have openings. 49%, almost half have such a critical shortage that it's impacting their ability to operate. These are folks who are saying, half of them, we have so many opens, openings, I'm having to shut down rooms, I'm having to uh, shut down food and beverage outlets. That is a terrible position to be in. And so, boy, if, I, if a year from now I look back and we've solved a lot of that problem, I'm gonna be a very happy person because that's really what's constraining us right now. You know, you're coming out of the pandemic, you have this enormous demand, particularly on the leisure side, and in some cases, we're not able to meet the demand when we so desperately need that revenue to make up for that huge hole that was created in 20, and, uh, 2020 and 2021. So um, I would love to look back there and say more people found our industry and decided to make it a, a career. Business travel needs to return. That is my biggest fear as we're going through this amazing summer and everyone is taking their vacations, long overdue vacations. They're experiencing hotels and they're experiencing wonderful places like Seattle. I don't want that to stop post Labor Day where business travel is not out there. Is business travel changed forever? Probably slightly. But the idea that a Zoom is going to replace a face to face meeting, that's never going to happen. And so those who go back to embracing 
face-to-face meetings. We've done the research. Uh, we commissioned a study from San Diego State University that actually found this is 100% true, that the face-to-face meetings uh, create more business opportunities. People need to get back to that. We need people working in Center City. You see it here. I was just down in Portland a little while ago, and they're, they're struggling with the same thing. How do you get people back into your Center City and working? Because all those small businesses thrive on having that vibrant downtown. I'm hoping that that changes over the next 12 months. If that changes, business travel is back, people are coming to our industry to work, I'm going to be as happy as I can be. I love both of those. And, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to a reporter uh, earlier this week, getting ready for our press conference, which uh, hopefully everyone will have seen at this point when they listen to this podcast, about reigniting our Seattle lodging industry and, and the Washington lodging industry. And I was talking to the reporter, and she's like, well, a lot of travelers are coming back. And I'm like, well, that's what you seek. That's when you're on vacation because you're a leisure traveler. That's about a third of our business. We need conventions to come back. We need business travel to come back. It's the whole picture. And I think getting out there and telling these stories so people don't assume, oh, I was out this summer in Seattle and it was crowded. (laughs) Therefore, the other 11 months must have been full hotels as well. Yes. And we know that we always have a, well, except for pandemic, we usually have a great July and August. What truly makes the business run for the whole is surrounding those other months with conventions and business travels and keeping our workers going and keeping the opportunities moving forward. The casual observer doesn't recognize kind of our business model. The leisure traveler comes in. um, They stay at the hotels. We take care of them. Sometimes they'll eat and have food and beverage there, but oftentimes they'll go out to a restaurant. That's wonderful as well. But the convention traveler comes in and, uh, you know, they eat in the banquet hall at the hotel, which provides an enormous number of jobs. Mm -hmm. Those jobs aren't back yet. And that's what we really want to return. Absolutely agree with that. The other key things as we, as we move forward for, for lodging, we've talked about employment. We also need to look at how we bring back those conventions in, in the different areas. Seattle and the Puget Sound were closed for longer. And so while other States were opening up, they kind of got the jumpstart on, on us from recruiting convention business. For those who are looking out a couple of years and wondering if it's things coming back, is there any lessons you've seen as you've traveled the country about our conventions coming back nationwide? Is there just a lag because we were one of the last states to open and and generally kind of viewed as a very controlled state from how we, we handle the pandemic? Um, what are you seeing across the country that might provide hope or caution for the convention business? Coming back, no question about it. Uh, it's been, as you noted, a regional recovery. Um, Florida. Uh, is back, not 100%, they're back 150%. And one of the reasons is because of what you alluded to, they were open the whole time. And what happens with conventions, two things happen. Either A, you canceled your convention and said, look, I'll just wait a couple of years and, and, and start this up again. Or B, you moved your convention. And so Florida was the recipient of so many folks who said, we still want to have a convention. Normally we have it in a place like Seattle, but we can't have it there because we're not allowed to. Where can we have it? Florida and Texas are saying, come on down. And so they booked that business. If I'm worrying about it from a Seattle perspective, it's those conventions that routinely had their business here that have now found a new home that say, well, this is actually kind of nice. I don't know if I want to go back and, and set up in Seattle. And San Francisco is facing the same thing, and many places are. And so you're going to have to re-earn that business. There's no question about it. But you have such a great product to sell. I'm not worried about it. It will just take some time. The second thing that we absolutely learned, and we're still learning this, whether it be leisure travel, business travel, or specifically uh, convention travel, policy matters. 
And if you if your policy one day is masks, the next day it's not, the third day it's back to masks, businesses are being shut down, people just aren't going to come to your city. We're seeing, Los Angeles is going through that right now. They're threatening another mask mandate. And I have actually spoken within the last few weeks to folks who had meetings planned in Los Angeles that are like, forget it. We're just going to go to Texas because we don't like we can't deal with that. Like business people, leisure travelers, and especially people planning conventions, they need consistency. They need to know that when I go to this city, here's what my expectations are going to be. The restaurants are going to be open. Uh, the museums are going to be open. All the extracurricular activities can take place. And if you're not offering that, if you're not offering that consistency, they will go elsewhere. If you were to ask me what I would like to see in the upcoming year, one of my top goals, kind of supporting some of that, is it takes years to recruit a convention to a, to a city. And what the hidden impact of this is because of all the things you talked about and some of the reputation issues and other things that happen in Seattle, Visit Seattle is now going to have to recruit to bring that convention business out in two, three years. We have a, I don't know if you get a chance to tour it, got a beautiful new facility right online up here by the Hyatt and, and, and an expanded convention center. We need to fill that. And Visit Seattle is funded by room nights that haven't been there for the past two years. So uh, one of our large goals is to try to get Visit Seattle refunded so we don't have this circular effort. Because if they can get refunded, we'll fill those future conventions. Most of those conventions we're seeing this summer and, and this fall were booked in 18 and 19 and, and just didn't cancel. But they didn't book in Seattle in the last couple of years for these three, four years out. And so we need, we, we our partners of Seattle, which are great partners, they're hardworking folk. We'd like to get them fully funded and moving forward. And, and hopefully some ARPA dollars and other things that are out there can help us do that. These large conventions where people come in and spend enormous amounts of money in your city, don't use any of your resources, then go home. That's what you want, right? Right. You're planning those out many years in advance. You don't wake up in August of 2023 or 2022 and say, you know what? Let's have a 10,000 person convention in November. That's not the way it works. No. You say, let's have a 10,000 person convention in August of 2025. That's what you're looking at. And so to get that type of business activity, it takes a lot of planning. And if your pipeline went dry over the last couple of years, the impact is going to be felt for two more years. Bring it home for us. Is there anything you didn't get to talk about today that you'd really like the industry at large to be aware of or something if there's the one thing you hope they remember from our, our conversation today and they head into the remainder of their summer that they carry forward with them? The last two years has taught us that whether we like it or not, in tough times, there is a reliance on public officials to help us out. No one, no one wants to go to the government and say, hey, we need assistance. That's not how we're built. And most of the time, that's not our situation. But the pandemic taught us differently, which I hope is a lasting lesson for people that you've got to be engaged. That is the, the most important thing. If you're listening to my voice right now and you're running a hotel, you work in a hotel, and you're thinking, oh, someone else will do that, rethink that. You need to do that. You need to become engaged. We all need to become engaged. I can promise you when we have some of these public policy battles, those on the other side of many of the issues are oftentimes far more engaged than we are. And we see that, and it pains Anthony and I to see a wonderful industry like ours sometimes get attacked, not rightfully attacked, but get attacked. And the other side is so well engaged, so well funded. And we're sitting here thinking, why aren't we as engaged as they are? Don't wait on someone else to do it. Become engaged. It doesn't take that long. As I said earlier, adopt a politician. Talk to Anthony and say, hey, how can I become involved? Spend an hour a week 
doing this stuff, and you would be amazed at how much impact it would have for our industry. Yeah, our, our ask of you as an ambassador is basically two hours a year. Yeah, this is, and then just be part of your community, which you already are. There are you're already hosting a rotary, you're already hosting a chamber meeting. People are already coming into your property. Just say hi to your legislator when they're there, and then come to our hill climb and meet with them off here once once a time, and we can make a tremendous difference. So again, get involved, and if you're interested in being an ambassador, uh, email us at uh, podcast at wahospitality.org. Chip, thank you for your leadership. Not only that, but thank you for getting out around the country and making all of us stronger and helping us get the word out about our great industry. So thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks again to our sponsors, Odessa. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join us on September 7th for our next episode.